This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement planning. It's the Retire Happy Podcast. Walter Storholt here with San Diego's premier holistic retirement advisor, John Amarino, a fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial, serving you throughout the San Diego area. You can find us online and listen to past episodes of the show by going to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. John, great to be with you once again on the show and looking forward to some good insight today. We're talking about the much-discussed SECURE Act on today's show. So we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of some really important info. Yes. So exciting. I know everyone listening is just like, yes, the SECURE Act. That This is what we're spending the whole episode on today. So yeah, we're going to do a little, you know, we always do the once a month planning, um, but the Secure Act is a huge part of planning, so that's why we're we're dedicating uh, a lot of time to it. Or have, a whole podcast. We I have a say. little bit of entertainment on some podcasts. We have really heavy education on other shows. So, uh, you know, different strokes. It makes the world go round. You know, combine a bunch of metaphors there for you. And yeah. uh, this is a good one. This is a very important education. I think anybody who's likes getting into the details on things, you're going to really take a lot out of today's episode. But even if you're more of a high level person, there's some good takeaways in today's show that I think a lot of people will. Uh, enjoy listening to and walk away with some tangible improvements to their financial knowledge and landscape. So we had this big SECURE Act take place at the end of 2019, John. It's now immediately changed the game when it comes to retirement in several different ways. So we're going to try and get into some of these details on the show today. So let's start with the basics with the, uh, you know, who, what, where. What is the SECURE Act? Well, it is the acronym for setting every community up for retirement enhancement act or secure and you know like you said it was passed uh, really under the radar of impeachment it was passed in a law in december 2019 with overwhelming bipartisan support it had introduced several substantial updates to long-standing retirement account rules so the secure act changes the laws governing retirement accounts both in terms of sheer volume and impact, and really is considered by many experts to be the most significant act since the passing of the Pension Protection Act of 2006. So while the SECURE Act made plenty of changes to the rules for retirement accounts, such as increasing the starting age for required minimum distributions, as well as eliminating the maximum age for traditional IRA contributions, both which we'll briefly cover, the headline change for most financial advisors and clients is the new rule eliminating the stretch provision for most non-spouse designated beneficiaries of retirement accounts. Uh, Commonly, you would hear the stretch IRA. And we'll spend a lot of time on this. And it's really a perfect example of how legislature and retirement planning can quickly evolve and change the landscape of planning. All right. So since we're covering the stretch IRA element of the SECURE Act in depth, let's talk about a couple other key aspects of the act that we can maybe cover more quickly before we go deeper into the stretch IRA and uh, spend the rest of the time on that. Right. Sounds, sounds good. So let's start with some good news. RMDs, required minimum distributions, are now going to be pushed back from age 70 and a half to age 72. So first, this will actually clear up some of the confusion as we no longer have to deal with the the convoluted 70 and a half 
it will be a clean cut age 72. So for those of you taking your RMD, your first RMD at, in the future at age 72, your first and only first RMD can be delayed till April 1st of the year following the year you reached age 72. So if you turn age 72 in, let's say, 2022, you can delay your first RMD and only your first RMD until April 1st of 2023. They finally now, got rid of the half. That, yes, that deserves an half. applause right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? What, what now, are the some worst of my clients are ever. very, some of my clients are happy that the half existed. And I'll, I'll explain that here in a second. Now, I know this is only going to add 18 months, but hey, you know, let's find that silver lining. You know, for the time you have to begin RMDs, you have 18 additional months to plan. And you don't have to take that money out. You don't have to add that taxable liability. You don't have to devalue those accounts. And you have time to plan and move some money to tax-advantaged accounts. And remember my mantra, Walter, a penny saved is a penny earned. Even if we can change some of that money over to tax-advantaged accounts in the 18 months, we win. Now, a key point is... If you were already subject and taken RMDs in 2019 or beforehand, then you must still continue your RMDs. So I had clients that turned 70 and a half in the be- and last year and had to take them. They still need to take them. They cannot say, oh, well, the new law says 72. You're unfortunately grandfathered in the wrong way. So if you've already had to start taking RMDs, you have to start taking them. This is only applicable to people who have not turned 70 and a half prior to January 1st of 2020. So I mentioned how that 70 and a half played in. I had a couple clients that, and they, they love doing Roth conversions, right? They turned 70 in October. Well, they're not going to be 70 and a half until this year. So they don't have to take their RMDs um, this year. So they, they qualify to back it off to 72, which is great for them. The other point is that qualified charitable distributions that we've talked about a lot, QCDs. In the past, they mirrored the age of RMDs, that you couldn't take a QCD unless you were age 70 and a half. But the new law kept QCDs at 70 and a half. It didn't make it mirror to 72. So that's a positive. So you can still take advantage of the great charitable reduction to your income, especially for the many people who don't qualify for itemized deductions, right? So you know, you're 71, you want to give the charity, you know, do it as a uh, qualified charitable distribution from an IRA. You'll get, you know, the reduction to your income, especially if you're claiming standard deductions on your taxes. Go back to episode 21 if you want to learn more about QCDs and charitable giving strategies. Look at that is great. Episode 21. Wow. Just a couple episodes ago. Just a little more scrolling and you're there. That's right. The second provision that has also been made for the SECURE Act uh, is that traditional IRA contributions now may be made at any age. There is no cutoff like there was prior to the law. So effective beginning January 1st, 2020, you can make IRA contributions for both you and your spouse's IRAs. However, you need to remember this. You must have earned income compensation to be able to contribute to your IRA. So if you're retired and you're not, you know, you have no earned income or your spouse doesn't 
have earned income, then you guys cannot contribute to your IRA. So those are two of the key points for my specific client demographics for retirees and, and for really a lot of our listeners. But to be fair, let's run down a couple of other features for qualified plans. So for the maximum contribution percentage for 401k auto enrollment increased to 15% in any year after the full year in which employees compensation is automatically deferred into that plan. So that's obviously an increase is a good thing. Businesses, if you're a small business owner, are getting a credit for adopting auto enrollment for their 401k plans. 401ks now have the options to have annuities with their plans. And I was interviewed by Fox Business and I said, I, I like this. Listen, I'm not saying I, I like annuities, you know, as, you know, an end all be all, but I love having more options. You know, the one thing I will tell you, if your company does offer the annuity option, you really need to know everything about that annuity because this is where some nuances are going to be introduced. And you have to understand that what if you want to replace that annuity? You know, what if you're at your company, you know, for five, 10, 15 years, and you no longer want to have that annuity option? What, What are your options to do that, to move your money? What if your company no longer has a relationship with that life insurance company, or you left that company? You know, the main point there is you just really need to know all the aspects of that annuity before getting into it. And and I really hope that companies that do adopt the 401k really take the time and spend the the time and the extra mile to explain to their clients or their employees, I should say, what the pros and cons of that annuity option have. A couple other features of the SECURE Act. These are going to be applicable to younger listeners or children of our retiree listeners. One of them is the 10% penalty exception for childbirth and adoption. Now, this applies to IRAs and retirement plans, and it allows up to $5,000 per parent. And the great thing is it, it can be spent as the parents see fit. So there is no list of qualifying expenses that qualify for that $5,000 Exemption. Now, remember, that's the exemption from the 10% penalty, right? You'll still have to pay the tax on that money. One key thing, the distribution must be taken within a year after the child's, and I love this, live birth. The code says the child's live birth. Live I, I don't, birth, okay. I don't understand how there would be any other birth, but the code says child's live birth. Another uh, qualification is it also allows for the adoption of a child as long as the child you are adopting is under 18. So that is uh, the 10% penalty exception. And another area is the kiddie tax. The kiddie tax will revert back to the pre-tax cuts and jobs act. And we're not going to go over that, uh, but it is something you should be aware of. There's just too many nuances to that to really dig into that and hit the stretch IRA at the same time. That was kitty like meow kitty, right? Kitty, okay. yeah. Okay. Or the, yeah, K- K- not like a little kid, but kitty like a cat. Yeah, kitty. Yeah, yeah. So or or yeah. Just in case somebody goes and looks it up later, there. Right. K i t t y. And then lastly, what we're really going to focus a lot of our time on is the stretch provision or or how we used to always refer to it as a stretch IRA. 
And in my opinion, the biggest change, the most notable changes of the SECURE Act was the elimination, with some exceptions, of the stretch provision for non-spouse beneficiaries of inherited retirement plans. And I'm going to spend a good amount of our time on this because this really has changed the landscape of plans that I've had for a lot of my clients. Well, I know it's important that we spend some time talking about that stretch IRA, but I appreciate covering some of the other nuances of this SECURE Act. And it's worth, uh, I know a lot of our listeners, even if some of the younger elements in this SECURE Act might not impact them directly, I'm sure they've got kids grandkids, friends uh, who may benefit from some of that information uh, that's geared toward uh, the younger audience. So hopefully you picked up some good tidbits there that you might be able to share with somebody who may be helped by that info. But let's get into the big moment of the day, the stretch IRA. And let's go back to basics there a little bit. And even though it is no more, the stretch IRA is is dead, essentially. Uh, what was the stretch IRA? Why was it used? Give us a refresher course, John. Yeah, well, prior to the SECURE Act, um, the stretch IRA was a, a pretty powerful generational uh, wealth transfer. And what it allowed was beneficiaries of inherited retirement accounts were able to stretch out distributions based on their own entire life expectancy. So they were only required to take out an RMD every year based on their age and the inherited IRA's account balance as of December 31st of the prior year, just like a a retiree's required minimum distribution. It was a powerful estate planning strategy because it gave clients the ability to create financial legacies and their beneficiaries to not only stretch the wealth out over their lifetimes, but it also gave them control over their taxes for that money. So for an illustrated example, let's say you had a 40-year-old son inherit a $500,000 IRA. Now, he would only be required to take out approximately $11,000 a year based on that account balance and his age. Now, he has the option to take up and blow the whole amount of $500,000, which would absolutely be a disaster and a huge tax bill. Or if he planned it correctly, he could stretch those RMDs out over his life expectancy every year, only having to take you know, the required minimum distribution, which I said would start off at about $11,000 a year. So not only is he controlling his tax bill, but he's having the vast majority of that money growing with compounded interest. So time and money, really two of the most powerful forces in the financial world. So if properly planned, a $500,000 inheritance could turn into a multi-million dollar windfall over decades for that inherited beneficiary, along with the ability to control their taxes. Well, I know, John, that uh, in our discussions, you always say something to the effect of, you know, who do you want to be the biggest beneficiary of your IRA? Is it the IRS or your kids? And I know that you were a big advocate of the stretch IRA. If we went back and listened to some early episodes and we, you know, brought up the subject of stretch IRAs, it was pretty much a positive uh, experience that you've had using that strategy. But it sounds like all good things must come to an end based on what's now happened in the SECURE Act. Yeah, for the most part. And under under the new SECURE Act, most non-spouse, and, and I'm really going to hit words here. And if you're listening, you've really got to, I'll, I'll try to accentuate the words, but these phrases really, really matter. So most non-spouse beneficiaries 
will be required to deplete their account balances within 10 years after that original owner's death. So unlike the RMDs, the new 10-year rule offers actually some flexibility around the timing of the distributions. It doesn't require that annual withdrawal, that annual RMD that we just talked about. The funds can be withdrawn in any amount of time at any time over the course of that 10-year term. So as long as the entire amount is withdrawn by the end of that 10-year time period. Now notice, I said most non-spouse beneficiaries will be impacted by this new 10-year rule. So the SECURE Act really identifies three distinct groups of beneficiaries. Number one, your non-designated beneficiaries. And these are entities such as a trust or a charity. So we have that non-designated beneficiaries. Number two, non-eligible designated beneficiaries. And this is any individual who qualifies as a designated beneficiary, but is not on the list of eligible designated beneficiaries. So this is really the majority of people. And under the, the old laws, a designated beneficiary was basically essentially a living, breathing human being or a certain type of see-through trust. So I know this is really kind of some convoluted language. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but unfortunately, I have to give you these phrases to be 100% accurate. And then the third distinct group was eligible designated beneficiaries. And this really falls under five types of people. Number one, spouses of account holders. Number two, those who have a disability as determined by Internal Revenue Code Section 72M7 or a chronic illness as determined by Internal Revenue Code Section 7702BC2. So you do have, you know, in short, you have to look up if your disability or chronic illness is going to qualify under Internal Revenue Codes. The fourth type is a person that is not more than 10 years younger than the decedent. And lastly, minor children of the decedent. So legally adopted children apply, but it doesn't apply to grandparents who adopted. So, you know, if unfortunately the parents uh, pass and the grandparents adopted them and then left their IRAs to them, that won't apply. But it does apply to minor children of decedents, minor being the key word. So as I said before, and I'll reiterate it again, these distinctions matter, right? These innocuous, you know, convoluted words, they matter, right? Non-designated, non-eligible, and eligible. So for non-designated beneficiaries, there are really no direct changes from the old rules. And the old rules stated that non-designated beneficiaries were subject to the five-year life expectancy rule. So it's essentially the five-year rule. In most cases, the account would have to be drained by then. Eligible, okay? The old Pre-Secure Act rules for designated beneficiaries still apply to the newly created group of eligible benefit, eligible designated beneficiaries. See, Walter, I'm, I'm getting tongue-tied here with all these. <laughs> so if you, you know, were a spouse, you're disabled, chronically ill, not more than 10 years, or you're a minor children of the de decedents, you're an eligible designated beneficiary, you can still stretch 
However, under the new SECURE Act, it is the non-eligible designated beneficiaries, that second group I listed, that are now subject to the changes under the new 10-year rule. So that means no more stretch IRA for these people. Now, I guess the silver lining is that the 10-year rule does facilitate at least some flexibility. So the rule just simply requires that all funds be distributed by the end of the 10th year after death of the original account owner. But the beneficiary has some discretion over when to take those dollars out over that time window. They have the ability to say, hey, you know, we're going to take a tenth of the amount out every year, or maybe we're going to take 20% of the holdings out every other year, or maybe we're just going to take one huge lump sum or two big lump sums out and just pay the taxes in those years. So they do have some flexibility there. Ultimately, the key point is, while there is now three distinct groups of beneficiaries under the SECURE Act, only one of these groups, the non-eligible designated beneficiaries, must now contend with the new SECURE Act 10-year rule. You know, the other two, it's pretty much little has changed and you'll go on as pre-SECURE Act designated beneficiaries. Well, the good news is, John... As much as we love podcasting, there are some things where visuals are helpful. (laughs) And so uh, we have provided an image to you that helps break down just what John went through uh, a few moments ago, kind of breaking down the, you know, who qualifies to still be able to do that stretch, who doesn't, all of those different nuances of who's eligible and the designated elements of that. Uh, If you want to see that in a very, very helpful visual, Uh, Go to the website, gosecurus.com, find this episode there, and you'll see it embedded in that post. Or we're going to put a link to that in the description of today's show as well. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or something like that, check the description or the show notes, and we'll put a link to where you can go and view this image. Very helpful uh, to look at that and kind of get some understanding a little bit more in depth uh, to reinforce what John was just talking about there. And John, what about people who were already beneficiary uh, you know, required minimum distributions and that and the like prior to 2020. Did they now have to adhere to the 10-year rule? Excellent question, Walter, as usual. You're always thinking of great things as we go along. <laughs> Thank you. The good news, people um, who were designated beneficiaries before the SECURE Act went into effect are grandfathered in under the old law. So we talked about, you know, the, the RMDs, you know, you kind of got the bad grandfather this is the good grandfather. So, and this is probably my biggest question that I've gotten from clients. And I got multiple calls from people around the country after they read my interview with Fox Business. Designated beneficiaries are still allowed to stretch their existing beneficiary IRA as long as they qualified, you know, uh, for that IRA, inherited IRA before January 1st of 2020. So that IRA will adhere to the old laws. Now, if you're the beneficiary of one IRA, you know, let's say you've been collecting that IRA RMD for a couple of years and now, you know, as of today someone else dies and you inherit another IRA, that stretch does not apply to you. It was only for IRAs that uh, you were receiving RMDs on before January 1st. So the new IRA would go under the 10-year rule. 
you know, and I know uh, we've got the visual to help you out. I know your head's probably spinning because just reading my notes for the podcast, as we go through stuff, my head's spinning. So just to throw some more convoluted information at you, there are three exceptions to the SECURE Act where the death of the stretch IRA doesn't apply to. Number one, 403B and 457 plans that were sponsored by government entities. Uh, These plans um, can also be sponsored by nonprofit groups. But if they are sponsored by a government entity and the participant dies before 2022, the old rules still apply. So keep that in mind. Annuities, which prior to January 1st of 2020, an individual irrevocably annuitized, right? They annuitized the amounts over a life or a joint life expectancy, and they elected an irrevocable income option that will begin at a later point. They're exempt. So that's extremely convoluted. And also plans maintained with an effective date pursuant to a collective bargaining agreement of January 1st, 2022. Clear as mud, right, Walter? Um, Just a little bit. I'm not going to go into those exemptions. I, I merely stated them because, you know, if you have one of those plans, that's something you're going to probably want to follow up on. Um, you know, I kind of read that you know, verbatim out of my secure act, you know, uh, training module there. So that's why that kind of sounded a little bit robotic, but I just wanted to throw that out there. So people said, Oh, whoa, I've got a 457. You know, if something does happen to me, can this be stretched out? So that's just some stuff for you to follow up on. Helpful information all throughout this, though, and I am left wondering a little bit here, John, since we're kind of in this realm of talking about estate planning and passing wealth to the next generation. uh, What about trusts? What effect here? For the sanctity of everyone still trying to wrap their head around this podcast, anytime you have major changes in retirement or taxes, it's a good time to meet with your attorney and review your trust. So I'm, I'm going to try not to get too into the weeds with this. But in the past, unless you had what was deemed a see-through trust or an IRA trust, which a lot of people that I've seen and met with, they, they didn't have them, you would still adhere to the five-year rule. So if you wanted to have a stretch IRA under the old rule, you didn't list your trust as the beneficiary of the IRA. You would list it as you would name the person. So the general rule is that most trusts are still non-designated beneficiaries. So there really is no change. They're still subject to that five-year rule. Trusts can still be designated as designated beneficiaries if they meet that see-through trust rules. Some trusts could still receive the stretch IRAs under the SECURE Act, But that's something that, again, kind of like the exceptions and in terms of, you know, the time and just the the sheer kind of information that we've already thrown at you, I'll tell you, you should just go and and get your trust reviewed with your attorney. And again, you know, if you have the typical living trust that a lot of people had, um, those are always really good for non-qualified assets, you know, like just a, a brokerage account or a bank account or property, those passed through the trust fine. It was always the qualified money. So, 
you know, unless you really have trust issues and you need control or you're worried about creditor protection, it's still a good thing perhaps to uh, leave your IRA or your qualified money to a named person. So at least they could do the 10-year rule instead of the five. So simply put, now is a great time to have your trust reviewed. Well, we covered a lot when it comes to the stretch IRA, John, but I do think it's really important that we you know, do that for our listeners. So what's next? What, what should our listeners do for future planning if the stretch IRA option has been taken away? Well, for those of you who have uh, been able to, to stay awake and get to this point of the podcast, there's really no simple answer to that. Your beneficiaries will have decisions to make. Um, like I said, they can take a tenth of the account value out every year. They can take 20% or they can take those big lump sums in one or two years and pay those big tax bills. The key points that you know you have to not only address yourself, but also tell your beneficiaries about is the beneficiaries are no longer going to be required to take yearly RMDs. But no matter how you take the distributions, your beneficiaries must distribute the entire balance of the inherited account by the end of the 10th year after the death. Remember, every single dollar of that IRA is taxable at ordinary income rates, so it will increase your beneficiary's taxable liability in the years they take those distributions. So that's why I said you can either spread it out, you know, evenly over 10 years or take you know, two bigger lump sums or one huge lump sum and just get crushed with taxes. Some options to not leave a tax time bomb to your kids or selected beneficiaries, well, life insurance will be one of those options. You know, with life insurance, if you die, you leave a large tax-free lump sum benefit at the time of your death. Obviously, you know, there are some considerations. Do you want to pay for the life insurance premiums, right? If legacy, if you do definitely want to leave some money, this is something to consider. Also, while you can pay for life insurance with your wealth, you have to qualify with your health. So, you know, do you still qualify for life insurance? But it's one option to leave a tax-free lump sum benefit that may also help pay your kids taxable liability. And then the second one is again Roth conversions and it's no, you know, secret I'm a big fan of Roth conversions. I think we've established that. But in this case the Roth conversion allows your beneficiaries to grow that money tax free for that 10-year period, which in this case is actually even a little bit better than insurance. You know, and because the insurance it's tax free boom date, you know, as soon as you die and the insurance company processes the paperwork, you get that lump sum tax free. Now it might be a you know a little bit bigger or a much bigger amount than the Roth conversion, but the power of the Roth IRA is that money can grow for that whole ten year time period, and they don't have to take it out. And then at the end of that ten year time period, they can take out that lump sum tax free. So they have the ability to grow that money tax free over ten years, and that is powerful. Now everyone, go out if you've made it this far. Go out and get a Roth IRA if you don't have one. I don't care how much is in the account, get the minimum, set up a Roth IRA at your bank and get the minimum. And the reason is to be able to take advantage of all the the tax advantages of a Roth IRA, 
a Roth IRA account has to be, you either have to be 59 and a half or if you died is one of the, one of the two qualifications, but you also must have the account must have been established for five years. So um, one Roth IRA will, will satisfy for as many other Roth IRAs as you have, but as long as you yourself, not your spouse, but yourself, you set up a Roth IRA account, that account has to be in effect for five years before you can get all the tax advantage, tax-free benefits. And that passes on to your beneficiaries. So if you set up a Roth IRA today and a month from now you died, your beneficiaries, if they want to get all the tax advantage growth and, and everything tax-free, they're going to have to wait five years to access that money. So just food for thought. So go out and get a Roth IRA and, uh, you know, really kind of consider another, another reason to consider Roth convergence. Well, John, it's such an important element because we're talking about a big deal here. I mean, we're talking about thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars that can be impacted here. Maybe even uh, depending on the size of the account, hundreds of thousands of dollars. If somebody messes up the distribution of that money, lots of tax dollars can be, you know, just given away to Uncle Sam if we're not careful here. That's why this is such a big deal, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, I appreciate people wanting to pay taxes, but you shouldn't have to pay any more than what's required by law. And I I think I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I think government has proven that they don't really care much about our tax money, that uh, they'll frivolously spend and waste our tax dollars. So don't leave it to the IRS. <laughs> leave it to your kids. <laughs> give, it to, give it to somebody you know. The, the, the devil yeah. you know is better than the one you even, don't, right? If you really don't. <laughs> even if you're just leaving the money to your kids, you really don't like your kids. You guys still, everybody's got to like them better than the IRS. <laughs> It's a great point. Very good point, John. Well, if you need help understanding some more about the stretch IRA and the fact that it's going away, or if just that idea of passing money on to the next generation is something that uh, you've thought about and that is a goal of yours financially, it's not for everybody. Some people want that last check to bounce, as the old saying goes. But for many people, it is important to try and pass wealth on to the next generation. And there are right and wrong ways to do that. And if you want to learn more about the right ways to do it, reach out to John Amar. Marino. He is San Diego's premier holistic retirement advisor. You can give him a call at 858-935-6210. If you've got any questions about what we talked about today, 858-935-6210. And always online at gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. John, thanks for the deep dive into the stretch IRA today. I feel like I need to go stretch, though, and limber up after absorbing all that information. Yeah, I, a I feel bit. like I need a cocktail <laughs> after that one. Jeez. So go go get up, get the legs, uh, blood flowing back in the legs, and um, we'll have another great podcast on tap for next time around. All right. Take care. Awesome. Thanks so much, John. We appreciate it. Uh, I see why in our, our logo we have a little uh, a little cocktail glass there. After all, it is the retire. It's five o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock somewhere. You got it. And it is, after all, the retire happy podcast. So there you go. For John, I'm Marino. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll look forward to talking to you again next time right back here on the podcast. Until then, take care.
Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.